Good morning again. Uh, there's one more announcement I didn't make. Uh, Jill Yarbrough told me that, that if you are interested in, in baking a cake uh, for Dots Thanksgiving, there are a lot of reusable cake tins in there. So if that's something that could be helpful to you, please make uh, yourself aware that they are out there in the Welcome Center area uh, to help out with Ms. Dots uh, dessert uh, for, the, for the Thanksgiving lunch. So just wanted to make sure I said that before uh, I, I forgot again. All right, uh, so thankful for Calvin last week for stepping in and taking over while I was gone, but we are back in 1 Samuel. So just to let you know, kind of recap where we were last week, it was a fifth Sunday praise and worship, so I kind of took that time to kind of collect our thoughts and to see where we have been throughout the book of 1 Samuel. And if you, if you remember, we talked a lot about the peaks and the valleys of the people of Israel over and over again, it seems like the people of Israel, they act like God's people sometimes, and then other times they do not. There are times when they, they exalt God to the place where he should be. They listen to what Samuel asks them to do, really what God tells Samuel to tell the people to do. And there are times when they say, you know what, we want to do things on our own. They did things like bad things, right? <laughs> we had Eli, who was not this great example of God's leader of Israel. We had even the failings of his sons. We had the failings of even Samuel's sons. But all throughout the consistent message that I kept kind of seeing over and over and over again was that God shows up for his people. Even when we're at our peaks and even when we're at our valleys, God shows up for his people. And the thing that I kind of am walking away from this is that, uh, again, people haven't changed all that much. And so when we, see our, when we see the people like Eli and we see people like Samuel and Hophni and Phinehas and we even see Samuel's sons, in every character, we ought to be holding up a mirror to ourselves. Because in all the goodness that we can actually put on this earth, there's a whole lot of not so good that we also put on this earth. But yet, God is still with us. And that is a great prevailing truth not only that we find in 1 Samuel, but that we find today in 2022. But last week we talked about that, but now it's time for us to move on. Okay, it's time for us to move on, but we're not moving on very far. I'm telling you what God is telling to Samuel at this moment. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For whom, uh, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And I just want to pause here for a second because it seems that there's this emotional attachment that Samuel has to Saul, King Saul. Remember that he was the anointed king over Israel. And I kind of get this feeling that Samuel is trying to say, just one more week, like one more day, maybe Saul will get it together. Remember that time we anointed him and he did those great things. Remember God, you changed his heart. Maybe next week will be different. Maybe he'll change again. Maybe he'll do exactly what you call him to do. But it seems that God is speaking to Samuel and says, how long are you going to grieve over this man that we've already kind of separated ways with? Fill up your oil, or excuse me, your horn with oil, right? What he's telling Samuel to do is to say, remember what you're called to do. In the midst of all this, you are my priests. You are going to anoint another king that's going to be the king of Israel. And this connection just seems so deep. But Samuel needs to be reminded of what he is called to do in the place in his presence before God. But this time it's going to be different. This time God is going to show how different he is than sometimes the people of Israel can be. Remember, because last time 
they chose a king, what did they want? They wanted someone tall. They wanted someone handsome, kind of like not me. Um, uh, I, you thought I was going to say like me. That's the joke. But God is going to show his people that how his mindset is different from his people, okay? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or on his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And this is going to be very important for the rest of what we're talking about today, okay? The Lord is trying to communicate to the people that this person that I'm going to be calling is going to be very different. And I'm not looking at outward appearance, but the heart is what matters. The heart is the heart of the matter. So they go, uh, there's a clear line that he's trying to draw between Saul and this next king. God is looking towards the heart and Samuel He's not sure what he's looking for just yet, but let's look in and see where he, he kind of gets to, uh, to Jesse's house. And, and person by person, they bring out son after son, and, and God's like, no, this isn't my guy. And he brings out the next one, sure, this is it. No, this isn't my guy. And then son after son, until finally Jesse's like, these are all my sons. The youngest one, he's off doing the youngest one job. Right? He's hanging out with the sheep. Look in verse 12, this is where we pick up. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. So they, they do need a handsome guy, I guess. Um, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David, and from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So Samuel anoints another king. And it seems that this whole situation is very, very similar to what we had take place with Saul before, right? He kind of anoints him in a kind of secretive way. It's, it says right here, before his brothers. But this isn't before like a whole crowd of people, right? This is taking place. It's almost like this experience where God is having an intimate experience here with David through Samuel. And the brothers and the family seems to be there as well. But it reminds me a lot of what kind of took place with, with Saul as well. They have this kind of experience where later they're going to be kind of presented before other people. But that's not the only parallel I see taking place between this anointing of David and this anointing of Saul, right? Well, the first and obvious one is that Samuel is the one doing the anointing, right? He is God's chosen one that's going to anoint these kings of Israel. We see that both David and Saul are kind of normal people for the most part, right? They're out there tending their livestock. Saul was tending to his father's donkeys, and it seems that David is tending to his father's sheep. But the most important thing that I think that we cannot escape here is towards the end of this verse right here, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. The spirit is very, very active here. We cannot miss this. This is very important that Saul, when he was anointed, he was kind of filled with the Spirit in this way. And the, the words that we read in, in 1 Samuel is that the Lord changed his heart. Do you remember that? Nod your heads if you're with me, okay? The Lord changed his heart. The Spirit was doing a great work. And do you remember what Saul was doing after he received the Spirit? He was out there prophesying with the prophets. Something that Saul had never done before, right? And the people are saying, who is the son of Kish that he's prophesying with these prophets the Spirit changed Saul, and it seems that the Spirit is going, to, is going to change David as well. But David shows up, and like I said, God is trying to make a clear distinction here between David and Saul. 
And, and yes, there's all these parallels, and we could probably go further and further into that universe as well. But it seems that something different happened between Saul than it did with David. Like I said before, Saul's heart was literally changed. It seemed like the person that Saul was before kind of receiving the Spirit wasn't necessarily the right fit. But it seems that David is the perfect vessel for what the Spirit's going to do through the people of Israel. Do you see the difference there? That It's almost like that he was a ready-made, hand-in-glove, ready-to-be-used servant of the Lord. He was a perfect vessel for what the Spirit was going to do. There wasn't much changing that had to take place right at the very beginning, right? It's like, receive my Spirit and just be who you are, right? His heart was geared to in the right direction. And remember, that's what God was looking at, right? Not the outward appearance of man, but the heart of man at that time. And he is this perfect vessel. But before we go and talk more about David, I really need to tell you about my first breakup that I ever experienced in high school. Okay, I promise it's kind of kind of makes sense here in a second. Um, but this is before I got really serious, you know, and started dating my wife, Michelle, in high school. Because that's what everybody does, I guess. You find your wife in high school. No, not everybody does that. But I was lucky enough to do that. But before I found Michelle, I was just this long-haired guy with not much purpose in life. And I went to Bible camp and searched for a girlfriend. And guess what I found? A camp girlfriend. And if you've ever been to camp, you know, you know just how long-lasting those relationships are. You're at, you're at camp for a week, and you're out there, and just love is in the air. I don't know what it was, but I was at Florida Bible Camp, and I found this girl. I'm not going to name her name. She's, she's perfectly fine, a human being, okay? Uh, but we, I just fell in love. You know, she was playing guitar by the fire, and I was like, I got to marry her. I'm 16. I, and um, so we exchanged phone numbers, and I would call her on the phone, and we would talk for hours on the telephone together. I don't know what we would talk about. Um, but we would talk and we'd talk, and eventually it got so serious to where I asked her to be my girlfriend on the phone. And she said, yeah. So we were boyfriend and girlfriend on the telephone. And uh, it was, it was, it, it's funny to laugh at now because it was crazy to think about it. We, we lived two and a half hours away from each other. She lived in Gainesville, High Springs. I lived in Daytona Beach. And on the weekends, I would drive up to her place, and then on the other weekend, she'd drive to my place. And Luckily, my sister was at UF at the time, so when I was driving up there, I would get to stay longer because I would just stay with my sister. But one of these weekends, after about a month of our lasting relationship, I drove up to Gainesville, super excited. I made her a mix CD. It was awesome. I know, it was awesome. Um, and I brought it to her house, and I was so excited. Two and a half hour drive. I go up to her door, and she dumps me. I know, two and a half hours, that's a long time, Four, five hour round trip, that's what I'm thinking. And so I'm crushed, I go to my sister's apartment, I'm weeping, ugly crying, it's bad. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, um, the, the, the world has provided plenty of breakup songs for us to listen to, right? <laughs> and there's all these, you could go through name by name, you can go old school, you can go new school, but... It was one of those things where I was like, maybe she's going to remember me and she's going to think this. You don't know what you got till it's gone, girl. <laughs> maybe she's going to think that. She's going to, ah, Jimmy was so good to me. Jimmy was so great in my life. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. That's why I don't leave singing. 
But I had this in my mind, and, and I'm joking up here because about three weeks later, two weeks later, I was fine. I, it wasn't that big of a deal, but in the moment, it was a big deal, right? It was a very, very big deal. And, I, and again, I don't want to make light of breakups because I know that they are a big deal, but I'm kind of making fun of myself here because I think it's, it's kind of easy in hindsight to see, you know, where things went wrong. It wasn't going to last, you know, it was a long-distance it was a long-distance camp relationship. It was not going to last, Jimmy. I wish I could go back in time and say, Jimmy, stop worrying about it. It is not that big of a deal, man. But it, no, it doesn't take away the pain that I felt in that time when you have this thing and you nurture this relationship and you're talking on the phone, you're buying gifts, you're making mixed CDs, and you're putting all this effort into this relationship, and then it's gone. You don't know what you got till it's gone. And it hurts and it stings. And maybe you're thinking about your first breakup here a little bit. Maybe yours was a little bit more cool than mine. But there's this part of us that happens when we're in a, in a relationship like that. And then all of a sudden you're happy one day and the next day it's gone. And, it's, and it hurts a little bit. And I kind of had that mindset, and I couldn't get away. And I almost didn't want to talk about this because I don't want to make light of what we're reading today. But I couldn't get away from this idea, right, of this relationship that Saul had with God for a very long period of time. Right? It's, it, it, it's, it's kind of astounding when you read 1 Samuel, and we, we kind of read chapter to chapter, and it's like, oh, it's like an episode of a, of a TV show. This is the one day, then the next day. No, this is a long time. And you remember what the Spirit did for Saul when he entered his heart. It changed his heart. Saul was doing things that he had never done ever in his life. The Spirit literally changed who he was as a person. And then it's gone. You don't know what you got till it's gone. This is kind of the final break for God and Saul here, right? Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. I was joking about that emptiness I felt, but could you imagine the emptiness that Saul probably felt when this spirit that literally came from God, that's been with him day after day after year after year, and then all of a sudden it's taken away from him. It would change who you are. It would change you physically. And if we read here, it seems to be that that's what's happening to Saul in this moment. He has had the spirit working and he's been doing these things as the king of Israel and now the spirit is gone and his life is different. Excuse me. It seems like this is the first time in a long time that God has been without the presence of God in his life. And, and, I, and I, this just kind of communicates to me that even through all the mistakes that Saul made, right, all the things that he did directly against what God called him to do, that God's spirit still did not depart from him. That's incredible. The resiliency of God sticking with his guy, even when he's not being his guy. But the spirit was still with Saul, even through all of that, but now he's not. And he's feeling it. And I want to pause here for a second, because I don't want us to get too lost in the weeds of this verse here. Because sometimes you can get to a part like this in scripture and you say, what is it? What is a harmful spirit? What does that look like? Let me look up all these words and different definitions. And a lot of smart people have a lot of smart things to say about this. But I think the main takeaway that we need to see here is that whatever's taking place is judgment on Saul for what he's been doing. 
there is judgment taking place because he's been actively working against what God has been calling him to do. And whether this is a spirit that's actually doing something to him, whether or not that's the, the actual reality of it all, I think what we're supposed to take away from it is that Saul had the spirit and now he does it and his life is totally altered. Very, very different. His life can no longer go on as it had been going. This definitely needs to be seen as a judgment coming down from God, but really this is the removal of God's presence from his life, and that's taking a toll on him. The only relief seems to come from when David is around playing music. Look in verse 23. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hands, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. And I don't want to doubt David's ability to play music, but what I read from this is that it's less about the music, it's less about David, but it's more about the spirit being around Saul. You see what I mean? It doesn't matter how he good, how good David was, I think it was the spirit that Saul had known for so long was now in David, and he's kind of getting a whiff of what that spirit used to be like for him. Remember, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago, we talked about Eli and Samuel, right? And Samuel's hearing the voice of God, and he goes to Eli, and Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And he does that three times. And remember when we, excuse me, and remember when we talked about that, it was almost like Eli had this faint memory of what that music of God sounded like, that faint memory of what it felt like for God to talk to him. And then he was able to instruct Samuel to do what he ought to be doing. It seems to me that whenever David comes around, Saul is getting this faint memory of what it used to be like when the Spirit was with him. There's this faint remembrance of there's comfort to be found in the Spirit. And right now I don't have God's Spirit. But whenever David comes around, that Spirit is here. That old familiar song is here and it's ringing in my head. You don't know what you got till it's gone, Saul. You don't know what you had until it's completely taken away from you. The breakup has happened, and now you're kind of suffering the consequences of that. You are feeling this emptiness that probably a whole lot of other people are feeling, but you're feeling it in a way because you knew what it was like to have the Spirit, and now you don't. That's got to be painful. That's got to hurt. And as I read this, I kind of questioned myself. Saul seems to be having a really dramatic experience here when the Spirit is not with with him. And it made me think, why don't I have a similar experience? Why, Why isn't this the more normal thing to happen to us when we go periods of time without connecting with Christ or being close to God? And it seems to be a more damning kind of image on ourselves because We can go months, years, decades without connecting or being connected to the Spirit, but we don't recognize it because we just busy ourselves with other things going on in our lives. But when the Spirit left Saul, everybody noticed. Not only was Saul going through it, but his people were like, hey, we need to find somebody to help him because he is going through it right now. But the same thing doesn't happen to us because I think we're so, so disconnected at times from the Spirit that we don't even know when it's gone. And that's a problem. And that's, that's not even what I'm talking about today. That's just kind of what I was thinking about. That's part B. It's a sidebar. Maybe we should be more like Saul. Right? I won't say that too often. 
but maybe we should be more like, what if we did actually react this way when we weren't connected to the Spirit in our lives? What if our bodies and our actual physical like, ailments were exponentially worse when we were not connected to the Spirit? I bet you we would want to be connected more often. But unfortunately, I think we're far gone from that. And I say, unfortunately, I don't want us to have physical problems. I don't want us to go through this in this way because I think that'd be mean for me to ask on anybody. But I think there is something to be said about when you are connected to the Spirit, there's something different about you, and you ought to be different when you're not connected to the Spirit, is what I'm saying. But unfortunately, that's not what happens a lot of times. A lot of times we're saying, well, I'll just get back to it when I get back to it. I'll, I'll find a way, and, and, and I'll be okay. I'll put my head down. I'll, I'll do my due diligence to try, but it's not going to really alter my life. And I think that's part of the problem. We don't know what we got until it's gone, but sometimes we don't even know that it's gone. And so I think kind of from this, two ways that I'm, that I'm extrapolating just from 1 Samuel chapter 16 that we kind of live our lives, okay? There's two ways. One is that when we're like Saul, when we choose to live our lives like Saul, we're constantly seeking fulfillment from everything else besides God. Remember, uh, we, we talked about it last week in, in 1 Samuel 15, where God tells him to do a certain thing and he does a completely different thing. And he's like, and Samuel kind of calls him out for it. Why didn't you do that? He's like, well, I saved it all for the best sacrifices to God. Well, I saved all the plunder for all the people and all, and all these different things. I did it for the right reason, but it's like, no, you did it for your reasons. You're trying to seek fulfillment from everything else but from God. You're trying to fill your life with this otherness than God. It's really a poor description of what God calls us to be, right? Yes the anointed one of Israel. Yes, he has the spirit in him. Yes, he's doing all these things, but he's still choosing to be in opposition to God. And like I said at the very beginning, when we encounter characters like Saul and we encounter characters like David, the mirror is pointed from both those people back to us. Because oftentimes when we're like Saul, we just disconnect from everything that we ought to be connected to. That includes the body. That includes Whatever quiet time individual that you do, we want to disconnect because we are enough. We are the masters of our own being. But the, sec- the second option from 1 Samuel chapter 16 is that, yes, when we're like Saul, these bad things tend to happen, okay? But when we're like David, a lot different things happen. We become the aroma of Christ. And this is a very, very familiar uh, section of scripture here, but I couldn't help but think of this. When David's just in the midst of Saul, this is the the imagery that I'm seeing. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not. Like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men as sincerity... As commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. There's this identity that we're walking around in this world and that to some we are going to smell like Christ and to some that same smell is going to come across as death. And in this moment, David is the aroma of Christ, but Saul has no idea. He just wants David to be around him. And I am so thankful in those moments that we can be that to whoever we encounter. 
I've told this story one time before, but we were doing concessions for uh, the Bayside basketball team last year. And it was me and a few other people. And it was a, one of the moms of the players was there with us. Never met her before. And we're all wearing our, our Melbourne MCOC shirts. And we're doing this thing. We're becoming friendly with this woman throughout. And she says, do you guys have kids on the team? I'm like, no. Uh, do you know the coach? It's like, nope. And then she finally got to the question. And she said, why are you here? <laughs> I love that question. I love that question because she's picking up this aroma of Christ, but she has no idea that she's picking up the aroma of Christ. She has no idea that she's being surrounded by people who are filled with the Spirit, who are just in her presence. She's saying, there's something different about you guys. You shouldn't be here, but you are. And I, and I long for more questions like that. Why are you here? What are you up to? Because when that question comes, there's more response to be had, right? There's more, not just, well, I'm here for the sake of Jesus. No, it's a, it's a matter of forming a relationship with and being an active force for Jesus in their life over a period of time. It's not just a one and done, I'm going to tell you about Jesus and cut and run, but it's about, I'm just going to be the fragrance and aroma of Christ wherever I go, and you're going to have to deal with it. And to some people, they're going to ask you that question, and they're going to say, what are you doing here? I want to know more. And to some people, they're going to say, you know what? I'd prefer if you left. And that's kind of what's going to happen between David and Saul here in a little bit. Saul's going to do everything he can to get rid of David. And we can't really, you know, kind of extrapolate into us. We can't do anything about other people. But we surely can be the aroma of Christ wherever we go. Because we do have the Spirit. Because we read these things and we're saying, yeah, well, David was anointed by Samuel. He's the king of Israel. But if you step back a second and you say, if you've been baptized, guess what you've been anointed with? The Holy Spirit. And it's one of those things where we're not the kings of Israel, but we are anointed and we are underneath this reign and power of Jesus. And that is awesome to really kind of recognize in your daily lives. Yes, I'm an anointed you know, daughter, I'm an anointed son of Christ. And with that, we are this. And my prayer to you is that wherever we go, we can recognize that we are carrying that aroma. To some, it will be pleasing. To some, it will be death. But whatever it is, it's our responsibility to live our, our lives in reflection of God's glorious riches that he's given us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to look here and to see where we are also kind of like Saul and David at the same time. There are times where we fill ourselves with meaningless things and that we are just kind of rejecting what the Spirit is trying to put in our lives. But there are times when we are filled with the Spirit and that we are actively seeking how we can be an active force for, for Christ in this world, how we can be an active infiltration of the kingdom here on earth. God, I pray that that is our mindset more often. That wherever we go, it might not be the words, the gospel message as far as just book, chapter, verse, but the gospel message lived out in our actions that people say, what are you doing here? And how can I be more in that, uh, in that way in my life? God, thank you so much for this testimony. Help us to live it out in our lives. In Jesus, let me pray. Amen. If you have any needs at all, we offer this time to come forward.
Uh, if you want to be baptized, if you have any concerns, if you're just saying, hey, what, God has done a great thing in my life and I want to share it, that is being the aroma, all of that, of Christ. Because collectively, we are far greater together than we are separated. That's why it's called the body of Christ, together, actively working together. If you have any needs at all, won't you please come while we stand and sing.